Hey guys, this is Steven from the Worship Coalition, and you are listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On this week's episode, we sit down with Stephen Duncan of the Worship Coalition. Be sure to check out the Worship Coalition's latest devotional, A Living Hallelujah in Hail. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans, by Christian music fans. Guys, I think it's time to talk about Season 3 of The Chosen. Have you seen it yet, the first couple of episodes that have come out? Is it out yet, or is it still in the theater? Um, I don't think it's streaming yet. I saw it in theater, and um, it's awesome. I can't wait. I mean, I don't know if you guys are going to go see it in the theater, but um, if if you're a fan of the first two seasons, uh, they definitely have not disappointed with uh, Season 3. Where, Where does it start? Like where Season 2 left off? Right where it left off. They're at, yeah, they're on the they're on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, did wait, Chris? Uh, I, I I know Jacob has. Chris, have you watched the season like the first two seasons of The Chosen? I have not. I'm a heathen. <gasps> oh man, bro! I didn't even know this about you, bro. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. so I have. Um, they. I was watching these interviews that were taking place the other day where they're interviewing just different people that went and saw it. And they were asking people, they were like, hey, what's what What did you join it? What did you enjoy about it? And what's your critique? And they got me thinking. I was like, you know, I honestly don't have any critiques about uh, what they've done. I, I think they've done a really good job at, you know, kind of making Scripture um, come alive to a lot of people. But I will say that I have <laughs> I have an issue now that every time I think of him, Jesus, I think of the guy that plays Jesus. Like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm like praying, and I'm like, they're like, well, you know, in Jesus' name, and it's like in my head pops up the picture of that guy, Jonathan Remy, and I'm like, well, I know that's not what Jesus actually looks like, but now I have this issue where yeah. that's what he looks like now. No, I'm excited to see season three, seasons one and two. I've seen twice. Um, I saw it once, uh, and then I viewed it with my family again, and then our neighbor gave us uh, seasons one and seasons two on DVD. So I have copies of them. I know you can watch them for free on on their app. I believe they have an app, the Angel app, correct? Angel Studios. Yeah. Well, the Chosen, the but, Chosen. Ha- it's called the Chosen. So Jesse, like, is it? Do they play like? two or three episodes in the theater all at once or how does that work they played the first two episodes uh back to back there was like okay. a small no, like music an hour video piece. uh yeah 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 about an hour piece and there was a small music video by uh older chris matt mar <laughs> chris that's with literally gray what hair. my kids always yeah. call chris like or they always call matt mar anytime they see matt mar they go Older Uncle Chris. It's the Older Uncle Chris guy. We sat down with Stephen and had a really good conversation about the Worship Coalition, kind of the heart behind it, uh, why he started it, um, just kind of with the heart to have the resources um, and encouragement, uh, kind of equipping of of worship pastors um, under a united front. Just to hear him talk about kind of his heart behind that was really 
really good conversation, and um, I'm really excited for everyone to be able to hear uh, Stephen's heart. He also shares a little bit of a story about how he worked with Lauren Daigle and kind of his uh, history and uh, with the Christian music uh, industry. So that was good to hear those conversations as well. And uh, Stephen's a great guy, and um, the new devotional they have out, the Living Hallelujah in Hail. Uh, be sure to check it out. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So how was your summer, man? I know you were a busy guy. A lot of you traveled a lot and did some things. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, We did a whole lot this summer. Um, Our big thing this this summer was that we held a three-day worship songwriting intensive in New England, um, just north of Boston up in Manchester, New Hampshire. And um, we had 50 local songwriters show up. And then we also flew in some uh, some guest uh, coaches and guest writers. So all in all, we had about 60 writers and we wrote 50 songs in two and a half days. And then we worked, worked up the best eight from the night and did a live night of worship with all brand new songs for the community. Um, there's like 350 people that showed up and, uh, it was, it was bonkers. We, we do this to ourselves every couple of months where we do these things. And, uh, I tell you that last day of the intensive is more intense for us than it is for everybody else, because we're literally like teaching and writing. And then we're also working up a band and live songs and, you know, pro presenter, the whole nine yards. It's, it's wild. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was, that was most of our summer. And then also, um, I was finishing up a book. Uh, writing up a book. It's a 30-day devotional for Christian songwriters. Um, and uh, we're finally, we finally finished it. We got everything done and we'll be releasing it, um, uh, you know, in the middle of October. So um super stoked about that too. So yeah, it was really busy all the way around, but, um, but it was, it was fun too. I mean, in the middle of October, you couldn't get it to a sooner, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> A full 11 months, and I, I just did my best to get it to you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, come on, what else you got going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know, raising raising two kids, you know, trying to be a husband, trying to run a whole nonprofit, trying to write songs, trying to write a book. I mean, it's just like, I should have been able to get this to you faster. I'm sorry. No worries. <laughs> hey, listen, we'll, we, we'll extend grace to you, man. So speaking of that nonprofit, um, Tell our listeners a little bit about the Worship Coalition and what you guys do and who you are. Yeah, um, we our mission statement is to raise up an army of worshipers to shake and change nations and governments through worship. And um, when we started off, we started off as mostly a, uh, a coaching and consulting nonprofit for churches uh, where we were coming in and doing like weekend uh, trainings for worship teams. And over the last five years or six years, we have morphed into mostly doing these three-day intensives like we talked about, um, where we're really looking to unite entire cities worth of churches, different denominations, different generations, different styles of worship, um, all coming together to lay down their differences and pick up the truth and in spirit. Um, in a way that starts to shake their city and establish 
truth. So, um, so along with that, we do uh, songwriter coaching for Christian songwriters, um, and then we do um, worship leader trainings as well. But our big, our our, our big effort, um, at least missionally speaking, is that we're out in these um, different regions doing these three day intensives and. Um, you know, the, the goal is to have a unified yes. That's what our, our goal mm-hmm. is. And um, it, it ends up being a different experience every single time. But um, the songs and the unity that comes out of these, the, um, it's just, it's unreal. It's, um, it's something that we couldn't ever manufacture. It's just something that um, we just say yes to whatever God's doing. And um, we've got some great coaches and, um, and professionals that come in and help steward the process. So um, that's us in a nutshell. And, you know, moving forward too, as a, as a nonprofit, we're looking at taking this proof of concept from the U.S. and going and doing missions trips with this and raising up awesome. worship songwriters in Uganda, the Philippines, Rwanda, like we're getting invited into all these countries that are hearing the music from these, from these intensives. And then they're going, we want this too. And so we're going great, but we don't want, what we don't want to do though, is we don't want to go in and try to make another country sound like us, right? We want to do it in such a way that we're just giving permission for the voice of the local body to rise up in their own expression um, in their own unique testimony of how God's moving. So that's what we're trying to facilitate right now. That's awesome, man. So um, what, what what got you on this path with the Worship Coalition? Like, what's your history? You you have, uh, you were a worship leader, or I guess, or are still a worship leader. Yeah. What kind of, what was the, uh, what the, how'd the Lord lead you to that place to start this thing? It's a wild journey. Uh, if you guys have time for it, um, oh, man, we got it. Of course, the short, the short version of it. But um, the abridged version is that you know I grew up in in the church. Um, I was the youngest to be on a on a worship uh, team at my church in my hometown of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and uh, you know I was you know fourteen. And everybody else was like 40s and 50s. And this was like the beginning of contemporary music in the United Methodist Church at the time. And so um, and so I was one of the piano players and I played every other week and, and that was it for a while. And then um, I, I went to school for um, two semesters at the University of Nebraska. And um, I got a call from uh, my home pastor going, hey, our worship pastor um, just left. Would you like to come home? for a semester and help us out. And uh, I was in the middle of transitioning to Belmont university at the time. And so I was like, sure, I'll come home. You know, I'll take, I'll take a semester off. I'll, I'll help out. And what ended up happening was um, our, our church grew by three times the size in about four weeks. <laughs> yeah. As churches do. As churches do, you know, and it was one of those things where, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing as a worship pastor. Um, I didn't know how to pick the best songs, but what I knew how to do at the time with, with our pastor was how to lead like a Bible study before, before our rehearsals started and how to get everybody focused on what we're singing in the truth and in the right spirit. And, and from there, um, we just did the best that we could musically and tried to be excellent. But um, in that, I just, 
I settled into knowing that one of the gifts that I have is, is helping unite people around scripture. Right. And, and so through that, then of course I went to Belmont university. I was the first songwriting major to graduate from Belmont. I was their test child of the program. So I got a lot mm-hmm. of cool things happening and I've got stories for you there for sure. Um, and then I got a lot of stuff where I kind of got dropped on my head because they just didn't, they hadn't figured everything out yet. Um, and, and at the end of that all, um, I ended up um, getting into music publishing. I, I toured with Matthew West, who was your guest a couple uh, couple of podcasts ago. And he um, he's incredible. He's my boss for a solid year when I was um, doing merch for him on the road. And, you know, he pulled me aside and he said, look, I know you don't want to do merch forever. What do you want to do? And I was just like, I want to write songs. And he's like, well, go write songs then. Um, and so I leaned into songwriting, but then also got picked up into publishing. I worked for Daywind Publishing for a little bit, and then I worked for Centric, uh, Centricity Music Publishing. Um, and it was there when I when I started working with some incredible artists that you know that are there that, again, like they were looking for permission. They were looking, they were settling in on their identity and as songwriters and artists they needed somebody to step alongside them and keep them focused on the foundations and of scripture and truth and spirit and um and it just kept coming back to that right um and of course they wanted help with with how to write a better chorus or of course they wanted to they needed help getting in the room with with some of their favorite songwriters that they wanted to write their records with. And I did all that. But at the end of the day, we were building uh, relationships around the foundation of uh, biblical truth and doing it in the right spirit and creating out of that context. And so um, after after my publishing stint at Centricity, um, I, um, I went and wrote for like 60 days. God gave me an incredible amount of songs and a, a bunch of traction during that time um, in worship as a songwriter. And then um, and then I started working with a mentor. Her name was Cindy Wilk Colville. And she mentored Matthew. She mentored uh, Matthew West. She mentored um, Jason Ingram. She mentored a ton of people. And um, she took me under her wing. And she's like, you got, you got a gift to look into people's lives and give them permission to rise up to the calling that's on them. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, you gotta, you gotta use your songwriting in a way that is, is drawing people in uh, to that place. And um, her and I then started um, the GMA immerse conference um, uh, songwriting track. And through that, I used that to kind of get my feet underneath me as like a coach. And, um, and then when she passed away, she, left her coaching business to me in her will. And um, it was then, it was just off to the races at that point. And I was coaching 20, 30 songwriters a year, hosting retreats, you know, I mean like the whole nine yards. So um, I, this was definitely not the path that I would have picked for myself, Mm -hmm. but I'm sitting in a position where I get to do everything. I get to be the fullness of who I am at all times I don't just turn off one switch, become a songwriter, turn on another switch and become a coach. I get to just be who I'm meant to be in the fullness. And I don't have to make excuses for that. And I don't have to feel like I'm striving and always trying to reach for something greater because I'm already sitting in, in the place of the fullness of 
the gifts that I've been given. So um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be able to help songwriters and worship leaders and, and communities at large raise up in their voice because there's so many great people who help me do that along the way too. That's awesome, man. And I know we're excited. Like when we, when we hear about you talk about the worship coalition and um, we, we check out the website, we've looked on it. Like uh, it's exciting. Just, just um, your all's heart for um, your, your, like you were talking about it uh, when you were talking about missions, just that the way that worship unifies people has the ability uh, to unify one common voice, even if it doesn't sound like what you're used to. I know one of my favorite things about when I was working in missions was, you know, you would go to another country, another culture, and you would hear them worship something you never heard before, like a, a type of music. And yet there was the same spirit of God that you experience in your worship. And it's like, Oh no, he's here too. Oh, he's yeah. here. And it's that, and it's, it's so unifying where you, you know, like, and then they say, Hey, will you sing us one of your worship songs? And they're like, Oh, that's awesome. He's here. Like it's, 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 it was awesome. So, just hearing your heart behind that, man. We're excited. We're excited for you and Worship Coalition. Who would you say the Worship Coalition is for then? So you have services and you have coaching and, and some different stuff that you offer. Are you for the seasoned veteran worship leader, someone who's just getting their feet wet, someone who's been a songwriter for a while or interested? Who would? Who are you for? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I really – you know, in the perfect world, it would be all of those people. But I really think more than anything, it's the it's the songwriter that needs to get out of their own way. Yeah. Um, and it's the worship leader that needs to get out of their own way. People who need to lay down maybe their own expectations of something to get back to the to the heart of what they're really there for. Um, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there that like, you know, you come into the Christian music industry or you come into the church and you go, we're all reading the same book. So we're all on the same page, right? No, we're not in a perfect world. Yeah. In a perfect world. Yes. But no, that's not really happening. And so what ends up happening is like, you know, and this is even my own testimony of getting to Nashville, getting into the Christian music industry and then going, all right, we're doing this for Jesus. And somebody's going, but you have a budget, you know, like. Oh, and then you go, oh, oh, so I can only do it for Jesus this much, you know, like, (laughs) right. And so it's like, wait, and then you just go, okay, little part of me just died, but, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do this for Jesus. Right. Um, And so over time, our own expectations can cloud it. And then I know that there are worship leaders and worship songwriters that then try to throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, I guess I just got this all wrong. Right. And they question everything and they just stop and they burn out and they need a sabbatical or whatever. It's like, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? Like, let's not wait until you're ready to be done. Let's, let's jump in either in the middle or the beginning of this process so that we can lay healthy foundations, get, get good habits going and surround yourself with a community of people who are helping you stay laser focused um, on on the calling ahead of you, right? So you, awesome. you're, not, you're not looking left, you're not looking right, you're just staying focused. Um, so that's that's really the person that I love to work with. Um, of course, it's for everybody. We've consulted with professionals who have been in the industry for 30 years, and then we've also helped build up the, the beginner songwriter. 
Um, but more than anything, it's just about, it's about getting down to those deep foundations of truth and trying to keep every other expectation and thing that we try to put on it or that the world tries to put on it. We just try try to keep that out of the process as much as Mm. possible and give people permission to just make it be simple, right? It's Mm. not that, it's not as difficult as we make it out to be. Well, I'm very good at making things difficult, Stephen. (laughs) Just ask his wife. (laughs) (laughs) So, Stephen, what would you say, how many worship leaders, songwriters have you helped through the Worship Coalition? Just through the Worship Coalition, not counting the time that I sat in Centricity and Dayland. I would say, um, personally, I've counted over 250 individual wow. songwriters and, um, and then worship leaders. It's probably been close to 300. And then mm. when we're talking about churches on top, like that are different than those two groups of people, we're probably talking in the 150, 200 churches range. And we've wow. done 65 songwriting events um, over, the, Is that all? over the last years that's you know we're just scratching the surface jacob come on (laughs) (laughs) so off the mic of a few months ago we we chatted and you had mentioned that you've worked with lauren daigle uh before and uh so what was what was that like working with a younger artist at the time and uh what songs or you know what were some of the songs that you got to help write with her so um, I wasn't a part of the writing process. I was her publisher at the time. And so I was putting her in the room with Jason Ingram and Paul Mabry, who were their, her producers. I was, um, my, my worship pastor at the time was Michael Farron, um, who I don't know if you all have met yet, but he's, he's an incredible guy. He uh, led Pocketful of Rocks. He was the main mm-hmm. singer in that. He wrote the song, Let It Rain. Uh, yes. from he he wrote another um, song that I really enjoy called "Fighting for Us." That yes, absolutely was an amazing song. So I I he was he was my worship pastor at the time. So I put Lauren with with him, and they wrote "Come Alive, Dry Bones" and a couple other songs on that first record. And really, um, you know, the interesting thing is that she was at a point in time where um, the label had been working with her for a few years trying to find her sound. They knew that she was going to go a little bit pop, but they they knew that they didn't want to make her try to sound like Adele. And so um, they were, they were trying out some different things. And then finally they got to the point where they were like, Hey, publishing guys step in at any point in time and, and start working with her and maybe help her try to find her, her voice that way rather than through production. Right. And so we were like, okay, so we flew her up. Um, we did these retreats um, called Centric Worship Retreats. I don't know. If, I think they still do them, but they're called Centricity Worship now. But at the at the time, it was called Centric Worship. And my boss, Steve Rice, um, and I, he, um, I'll tell you more about Steve Rice later, but um, him and I uh, took a group of writers, Nia Fields from Hillsong, we, uh, Henry Seeley, who's, you know, the pastor at The Belonging, um, uh, when that was just in his basement at the time, not at not a mega church in Nashville. Um, we had a- Anthony Skinner uh, from Jesus Culture. We had um, all these different people come in 
and we went to these studios in uh, Northwest uh, Washington State. And uh, for an entire week, um, all these writers were writing worship and Lauren was writing more pop at the time. And so we just like put her in a room and we just said, um, she just started crying and, and we were like, what's going on? And she goes, you know what? I, um, I, I'm exhausted. I don't even know who I'm writing for anymore. And, um, I just, I just looked at her dead in the eyes and I said, Hey, look, here's the deal. Um, I think you're a worshiper at heart. So it doesn't matter if you write pop or worship. What matters is, are you bringing yourself to the feet of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are your songs that you write for you first? Not out of a pride thing, but just out of a, if it doesn't work for you, it's not going to work for somebody else. So, and if you're going to be singing these songs for you the rest of your life on on tour, hopefully, then Every night, this needs to take you to the feet of Jesus. It has to. So for the next seven days, just write the songs that you need to hear. She went off and she wrote four out of the five songs that became her first singles. Hmm. And just in that, in just a couple days, right? And, um, and so that was my part of the process really was helping her put her in right situations with the right writers you know, pumping her up, giving her permission, trying to keep, you know, again, the distractions, a way of trying to feel the pressure of writing a record or, you know, coming off of American Idol and now I've got to prove myself. It's like, no, just like, just go do what you're made to do. Um, So that was getting to work with Lauren. And so um, obviously, you know, behind me, that's, you know, um, platinum record, you know, and all that. It's an honor. But at the end of the day, you know, my my contribution was just working with Lauren, the worshiper, right? Lauren, the worship leader, Lauren, the daughter, you know, mm-hmm. um, of her parents, you know? Um, and I got a ton of stories about her too. So we'll have to maybe uh, come on a couple of times and, and have some cool conversations about sure. that too. For yeah. Sure. So the worship coalition uh, has a new album out uh, called, I want to holy. Um, yeah. Now, am I saying it? So is it I want to and I'm not supposed to say holy because it's in parentheses. Um, <laughs> it's I want to and then, yeah, holy. Um, okay. you're, you're exactly saying that right. Yep. Okay. I want to holy. Uh, how, how'd that come about? And what was that process like coming out with that album? Because it's um, my brother and I, before we got on here, we were talking about uh, words that Gen Zers used to do uh, that that are not not used to. Gen Zers are currently using. Uh, and I would say that that one is, what's the word? What were we saying, Jacob? What was the word? Drippy? Yeet? No, not heat. Drip. Oh, yeah. That album's dripping, bro. It is so good. <laughs> I, I might be using that wrong, Stephen. I'll be honest with you. I may have just insulted you. I don't know. But, bro, I Want To Holy is an awesome album. Tell us a little bit about that. How'd that come about? Yeah, so there's this 10-year relationship, a friendship that I had with this guy named Daniel Hartzheim, um, who's a worship pastor up in Bozeman, Montana. And he had come to some of our nationwide retreats that we had been doing up in Montana, um, up near Kalispell. And um, we used to we used to do these yearly retreats up there around the lake and in the mountains. And it was, you know, kind of whoever wanted to come in from across the nation could come in. And he would come into those and... He's a brilliant songwriter and, um, and 
incredible guy. And at one point in time, he called me up during the pandemic and said, when this thing lets up, whenever it lets up, can we do a retreat, not just a nationwide retreat and not just a churchwide retreat? Can we do a citywide retreat where as many churches as I can get involved, let's do that. And so he was really the one that inspired these citywide unity intensives for songwriting. Um, so I said, okay, let's pray about it. Let's, let's talk about it. We'll, we'll try to do something next year. This was in November of 2020. And December of 2020, he calls me up and he goes, I got seven, eight, nine churches involved already. He's like, can you come, can you come in January? Like in a couple weeks. And I'm like, uh, I'm not ready for this. And he's just like, okay, cool. We'll do it in February then. And so we pushed it to February and I brought up my buddy, Jeremiah Jones, who wrote um, the song, What a Savior for Laura Story. And um, he's written a couple other songs for like Carrollton and um, he's good friends with the guys in Read the Kingdom. And so mm-hmm. we brought Jeremiah Jones up and it was me. And then it was one other coach, um, uh, Scott Moore, who's on our board of directors. And we just all like descended on the city for, for those three days. And that was the first of the songwriting intensives that we were doing for unifying churches. And um, it was like 50, 60, I think it was 70 songs in two and a half days, Hmm. 30 songwriters plus, plus a couple of pros. And um, at the end of it, we were all awestruck because some of these songs were coming out of rooms with brand new songwriters that had never written a song before. Like it's just, it's just absolutely wild what was happening. And so we get to this last day and we do this night of worship where we were going to do like Waymaker and, you know, like all these different songs, popular songs of the, of the day. Right. And we, we started with Waymaker and we bailed on the rest of our set and just went into these songs. And we're talking like three hours later, we're done and people will not leave the building. Like, like people are pastors come up and start praying for their, for each other in the altars, like from different churches that were like, and we all know those churches that like kind of secretly war against each other, but they, they're like, they, they all go to like a Saturday breakfast together. But then when they actually talk behind closed doors, they're just like, I can't believe that our, the family that was here went down the street to that church. I can't believe it. You know, like (laughs) those people were then repenting of all of that. Mm. to each other in real time. And so those relationships were getting restored in real time. There was a, I was telling you guys um, the last time that we talked that, that um, there was a 16 year old boy on pro presenter and he had never done pro presenter before. And the computer was like overloaded with files. And so everything was like way slow, like, like three, five, three to five second lag time. Every Uh, time I've been there. And look, that's that's a nightmare on a normal Sunday. Right. When you're doing a night of worship with brand new songs that you've written for the community that everybody's usually skeptical about already because they're like, ah, they're not going to be nearly as good as Chris Tomlin. Play right? Waymaker. Like, yeah, play Waymaker again. Let's do it. Yeah. So what ended up happening was like, it was like five seconds behind. But the people were so in tune 
and I, I don't say this lightly and I'm not like hyper Pentecostal, but like they were so in tune with the spirit of God that they were singing lyrics that weren't even up on the screen yet. Wow. Songs that they had never been introduced to. And so we get done and the, we have an immediate like emergency meeting with the leaders and the pastors and the pastors are going, what do we do now? And I'm like, I don't know. This is the first time this has happened. Like, I've seen the Holy Spirit move in some incredible ways, but I've never seen anything like this. And so we all decided that, okay, like we're going to do a record, but not for the typical reasons that you do a record. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a record so that that, can, that, the, that album of songs can get passed around to just the churches in Bozeman as a resource to get other churches to start singing in unity with, with the rest of the churches, right? Yeah. That's, that's it. So we go and we do the uh, do the record. We get we we videotape the night of worship just so that people in the city could like use that as a resource to kind of stand behind it and, and get going. And then a couple of people start catching wind of this, like praise charts and CCLI, and we've got you know like multitracks.com calling us up and, and going, hey, we we heard you did this thing. And uh, we'd love we'd love to partner with you in, on this and, and hear about it. And next thing we know, like we've got, gosh, thirty eight thousand monthly listeners in the last two months, mm. and we've got close to five hundred thousand streams in just two months wow. of this record. And. Um, and we've got people from like the Philippines. The Philippines has more, we have more of an audience in the Philippines than we do in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then as far as like cities are concerned, Bozeman is like 60th on the list of cities for the most listeners. We have like Quezon City in the Philippines, right? Or like Nigeria. We've got like like people in Nigeria listening to this more than people in the city of Bozeman. And we have, we have 19 churches that are represented on that record. So it's like, this is one of those things that like, if I can encourage the people listening to this, whenever they listen to this, like if you truly are in your lane and you're doing what God has called you to do, there are certain things that will be demanded from you as, ne- as as a necessity. The record was a necessity. It wasn't something we were shooting for. It wasn't even on our like on our radar. We were just trying to wash the feet of of the bride of Christ in in the city of Bozeman, and then a record's demanded, and and charts are demanded, and videos are demanded, and all of a sudden, it's like. Gosh, one church, they raised like $60,000 in like two Sundays between nine churches. And then as soon as, as soon as the song started floating around, those songs floated around a year before they actually came out. They had over a hundred songwriters as part of 406 United, the, the group that we released this with and over 19 church, like 19 or 20 churches that are a part of this movement now without the recordings even yet. Like they hadn't been released until this summer. We're talking about like 18 months later, we're releasing this stuff. And for a year, pastors are now trading pulpits and worship pastors are trading 
stages and it's just like, it's absolutely incredible. So, um, yeah, that drippiness, whatever you're talking about, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know. Um, that, that drip is really just a group of people who were so, so, so sold out on the idea of yeah. being in agreement rather than in what holds us denominationally back from each other. But what actually unites us about Christ, that's what we came together on. And what the beauty of it is that the what united us was, if you listen to the album full on, it's it's actually like on intimacy with the Father. And that wasn't even something that we spoke on. Sure. Like that was something that came out of the rooms by everybody just going, what do we agree on? Like, what are we, what are we doing right now? You know? So um, that's, that's what this album is really like. It's intimacy with the father. It's, um, it's a group of churches in Bozeman that are contending for unity and will not let, um, no be their answer, you know, to unity. And, um, and out of that, some miraculous songs are coming out of it. It's incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, I would, <laughs> I want to, I want to definitely push our listeners to go, uh, check it out for sure. Uh, I want to holy. It's on Spotify. Is it on Apple Music too? I know it's on Spotify for sure. Yeah, it's everywhere you can find it. Yep, and it's on YouTube too. We've got the live worship videos on YouTube. If you just either go to the Worship Coalition channel or you go to the Four Hundred Six United channel, either one. Awesome, awesome. Hey, so Stephen, I know so so far we've only asked you pretty light questions. Um, we'd like to get into some pretty heavy stuff if you don't mind. All right. Yeah. Let me prepare myself. Okay. <laughs> get ready. So we always like to ask our guests, we, we like to ask them what their favorite things are uh, in certain categories. Mind if we do that with you real quick? Kind of a rapid fire type uh, Let's do questioning, it. I guess you would call it. Yeah. I still don't know what we call it yet, but um, it's what we do. Yeah. Hit me with it. Awesome. All right. Uh, so what is your favorite kind of food, Stephen? Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Are you just saying that because we're from Kentucky? No, that's literally like my grandpa raised me on Kentucky Fried Chicken and the coleslaw. Like, seriously. Bro, have you had Kentucky Fried Chicken in other countries? No. It's it's better. It is like, it's, it's another level, man. When I lived, someone told me that. And um, when, someone told me when I first got into missions, they were like, wait until you try KFC in other countries. I was like, it's so weird. I'm from Kentucky, dude. No, like for real. KFC in China was like gourmet. Man, KFC in Mexico, ridiculously good. KFC in Peru, so good. Like <laughs> next time you're out next time you're out of the country, find a KFC and you'll see what happens. That's I'm excited now. Let's do this. Can we take your podcast on the road and just like we just just interview people just from different KFCs? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Steven, what is your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie. Oh, man, this is a hard one. Ah, uh, my goodness. Okay, so do, I would say, gosh, Remember the Titans is one of my favorite movies for sure. Remember the Titans. I, like anything Denzel Washington, um, you know, I would say, okay, growing up it was radio, um, which okay. was, you know, the incredible incredible story mm -hmm. but um if if you really really want in on this if my wife were to walk in the room right now she would say it was the devil wears prada 
um, because that's kind of our like running joke that that's my favorite. That's my favorite movie because I'll just put it on the background so that I can just work. It's not one of those movies that you really need a whole lot of brain power to watch, and so. <laughs> it can just go on in the background it's got some great music that happens to it so it like kind of keeps me engaged but with with allowing me to still work at the same time so the movie that's most on at my house is devil wears prada but my favorite movie would be either like radio or uh remember the titans for sure so devil wears prada is more like how coco melon is to kids right it's just there it's not really you know doing yeah. anything for you other than just kind of helping it be in the background it's kind of like, so yeah. Devil Wears Prada is adult cocoa melon is that what you're saying yes adult ADHD absolutely <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, uh, a show that you binge that I binge okay so there's this show that was only on for one season and I watch it every single year that it, that it comes to uh, the fall and it's called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Have you guys ever seen this? So it came out, unfortunately, no. it came out at the same time as 30 Rock. And it had the same exact premise. And so it was like Saturday Night Live behind the scenes. But 30 Rock was like gotcha. the slap comedy. Mm-hmm. And Studio 60 had Matthew Perry, right? Um, okay. You know, friends. It had um, Amanda Pete. It had um, Aaron Sorkin, who did like the newsroom, sure, and like the West Wing. He produced this thing, so like it was like like the drama of how to run a network TV show, trying to be funny during like wartime. So it was like September 11th and like all these things, and they're trying to be funny, but but like they can't be, um, you know, all that fun right. stuff. So that's actually the one that I've been like the most. But also just, you know, gosh, How I Met Your Mother, you know, is a good, is a good fallback for me. Um, I, I've been enjoying the um, Only Murders in the Building. Have you guys seen that one? No, 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 no. Uh, well, no, I haven't, but I would say Steve Martin. Steve right? Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And it's just like, it's got two seasons okay. and on Hulu, and it's it's uh hilarious it's absolutely hilarious i'll have to check it out i like those guys I'm, i mean i don't know much about selena gomez but i like those guys <laughs> uh do you have sure. a favorite musical artist of all time oh man stevie wonder for sure nice he, jacob who who was it that also said that recently john, john reddick. reddick yeah that was right yeah stevie wonder yeah 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 um Stevie Wonder, I went to a concert in Memphis one time when I was living uh, in Nashville and going to Belmont. Um, I drove out to Memphis and um, had like seventh row seats. And he's got like 30 people on stage, full brass section, like the whole nine yards. And he had two drummers, you know, like that's how that's how excellent of music is happening. Um, okay. in the room is, you know, and how great the audio engineers are for this thing, because, you know, how do you mic one drummer, let alone two, you know? And so like he, his just level of musicianship, his thoughtfulness for his audience, how to even put on a good show. I mean, just like from top to bottom, um, it was the best show. And then like, gosh, John Mayer is like a close second. And so, and so yeah. it's like, you know, 
um, John Foreman from Switchfoot. Like those, like yeah. songwriting geniuses, but also they just know how to put on a great show at the same time. It's true. It's absolutely true. I, I just saw John um, a couple months ago with Need to Breathe. It was like, it, was, it wasn't it was fair. It, it, it was that concert made all of their concerts difficult to follow up. It was, they're both really good putting on a show and you said jesse you said they you said they played like two hours it was insane man it was it was so good and then they like came back out at the end and everybody thought it was over and then they were like no we're just gonna come out with no microphones no lights no nothing completely unplugged in this massive auditorium and just play acoustically from the front with nothing and just let everybody be real quiet and listen to us sing it was awesome <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that's incredible um, all right, um, so do you have a favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Yeah. Yeah. And like Baskin Robbins mint chocolate chip, you know? Like there's some other ones that taste like toothpaste, and I'm not into those. But oh, like, I, oh, yeah. From Baskin Robbins is legit. Yeah. Do you have a favorite podcast? Uh, Christian Music Guys podcast. Nailed it. First try. Usually we have to go back and edit that part, man. <laughs> or ask them, ask them two or three times, you know, after they give us one or two. And what's your no. favorite? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and do you have a favorite? It, it took me forever uh, to get into podcast, guys. I'm just going to be real honest with you. Like, yeah. I was probably on the last end of the curve to get into podcasts. If there's anybody who held out longer than me, it was like, I, I would be surprised because I just, as a music publisher and as a songwriter, I was listening to, um, you know, hundreds of songs a week. I wouldn't even listen to the radio, like on drives home. Mm. I would just, if I did, I would listen to NPR. And that was like my version of a podcast was just listening to NPR on the radio. <laughs> And I didn't even love everything that was being talked about. It was just like, I just wanted conversation rather than rather than music all the time. Sure. Um, but now that yeah. you get to tune into your favorite people and, and get to get to know them a little bit more on a personal level, like you guys are doing awesome stuff. Like getting getting the like getting into people's lives and actually finding what get, like makes them tick. Um, that's fascinating to me. And so yeah, I, I love listening to you guys. Uh, do you have a favorite Bible verse? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. It's probably one of my, one of my favorites um, because it really helps me stay focused and it helps the people that I coach stay focused um, in going, mm -hmm. hey, let's not like put the cart before the horse. Let's, mm -hmm. let's do first things first. You find, you look for him. You look for his righteousness and you identify that in the world around you, you're going to be, you're going to have a great day. You know, it's not, it's not that it's not going to be challenging. It's not that you're not going to face, you know, difficulties. It's just, you can make a whole lot more sense out of your day if you're looking for the kingdom and his righteousness first. Yeah. Right on. And I think that's an appropriate uh, way to start landing the plane because it's, it's exactly what you were talking about with what's happening with the worship coalition and everything, you know, you're talking about different churches that have had so many different reasons to not be unified, but when they put all those things down 
and seek first the kingdom of God together, God's able to do some awesome stuff. And so I think that's that's awesome, right on, and super appropriate, man. Uh, awesome. What is next for you, Stephen? And I mean, you know, I hope you're actually going to be doing something, you know, uh, trying to at least maybe get busy here coming up. Uh, what's going up for you and how, how can people keep up with you guys, what you're doing at the Worship Coalition? That's awesome. Thank you for asking that. So first things first, I don't know uh, if my ring light will show this, but um, we're releasing this book in the middle of um, of October. It's called A Living Hallelujah. Awesome. And it's the first book of three Christian songwriting devotionals. This first one's called Inhale. And it's really about identity and purpose and co-creating with God. Well, one of the sections is on authority, the authority of Christ in your life. Um, and how to partner with him in that. And then the responsibility of creating as a, as a Christian creator. Um, and then uh, the last section is on resilience. How do you keep that up and, and not let that go dull? Um, how do you keep that sharp and bright all the time? And so um, really excited about this devotional. It's the first of three. The next one will be on exhale, how to, how to shift culture and shake your nation by by being obedient to uh, to Christ in your creativity. And then the last one's going to be called Publishing Our Praises, which we'll be talking about stewardship. Now that you have the songs, now that you have the relationships, yeah. how do you make sure you're stewarding people and how do you steward songs so that you're not just like putting them out there willy-nilly or um, you're, you're doing it kind of haphazardly. How do you do it? you know, um, in, in a focused and intentional way. So that's, that's the first thing that we're doing. The second thing is uh, I want to give a, a plug to Erica Violet. Um, she's the next co-release that we've got coming out. Um, it's September 30th is the release date. Um, and she's got a song called undeserving that is a reimagined nothing but the blood. And it, um, mm. it is a hauntingly beautiful song. Um, that just helps worshipers get to the right posture. So we're doing that. And then um, people can connect with us, honestly, on any of the major platforms, probably except for Twitter. Um, I'm just not on Twitter that much, but um, they can go to our website, theworshipcoalition.org, find us on Facebook and Twitter, um, and they'll be able to find out, you know, um, either about coaching or the next songwriting intensives that we have. Um, and I would love, you know, if people would email us, if they've got a songwriting group or they've got a church that's writing songs in an area, we'd love to come and start to partner with churches and, and regions, new regions on uh, on doing these songwriting intensives like For Us Six United so that we can keep raising up the voice of the unified church. Stephen, to wrap up, we'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something that God has been doing in your life recently that would help build our listeners' faith. Wow, that's a great question. And I'm really glad that you didn't ask me to prepare for that question. Um, because for me, you know, I've worked with some of the most amazing people in the industry. And I have been in situations where I, I would never even dream to find myself in. And most recently... Um, we started working with a, a, a four, four or five years ago we started working with uh, this girl named Abby Benton 
who is a worship uh, leader and worship songwriter out of Montana. And, um, and she came to our first retreat out in Montana and we just started building a relationship and, and um, as like a coaching to student kind of relationship. And over the years, you know, some amazing things have happened where she's just trying to be true to her craft and she's just trying to be true to who she is. And she's had a lot of opportunities um, in the industry to sign record deals and publishing and, and all of that. And at the end of the day, she just stayed true to her path and um, she didn't get distracted. And um, a couple of years ago, she found herself in a room um, with Jesse Reeves and Dustin Smith, and she ended up um, spurring on the, um, the ideas and, and a lot of the lyrics for the song, I Speak Jesus. And most recently, um, we actually signed her and, um, and we get to work with the song too, I Speak Jesus. Um, it's just come about in the last couple of weeks. And what I, what I know to be true is that, you know, we could go out and try to um, hustle and try to find songs and, and try to position ourselves and, and make things happen. At the end of the day, after five years of just loyal friendships and, and building each other up and encouraging in each, each other, now that has turned into uh, uh, the ability to work together on the industry side of things too. And what I want to, and that might not seem like a miracle to some people, but when you know the industry, like I know the industry from the inside out, when, when a song like I Speak Jesus gets written and people hear it, immediately there are contracts on the table and there's money flying around and there's, mm-hmm. there's just like this... Um, I don't want to say that people grasp for it, but because of the, the way that the industry is set up, sometimes you have to go really fast and, sure. and rash decisions, right? And for me, this, this whole situation has proved to me that you stay, you stay consistent and you stay true to the process. God sees you. He'll breathe on that. It says, you know, my other favorite scripture is that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. If you stay fully committed to him, then relationships happen. The business side happens. The creative side happens. Everything falls into place. And so along with like the I speak Jesus's of the world, you have the Holy spirit driven moments where, where the 16 year olds on the screen trying to get the lyrics to show up and people are just singing their guts out anyway. Right. All of these things are miracles in itself that are these these little winks that God gives us as a father. He just winks at his kids and he just goes, you're on the right track. Just keep right. going, right? Just keep going. So I would just say, you know, for me, there, there are a bunch of big miracles that I could have talked to you about, but it's the daily in and out of being faithful and not losing heart and protecting your heart and um, and just doing the right thing over and over and over again, that God will God will pay for his plans and his promises over your life. And you just have to stick stay true to whatever he's got for you today. Awesome. That's yeah. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Stephen. I really appreciate it. 
appreciate you and for taking the time with us tonight. We also appreciate your ministry and what you're doing. Thanks so much for, for being with us today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks again, Stephen, for sitting down with us. Be sure to like and subscribe on the podcast. Be sure to check us out at christianmusicguys.com. Check out more information about the podcast and also how you can become a part of the family financially. We really appreciate it. Thanks again. See you next week.